Charge up your broadcaster and get your jump pack ready because it's time for the Star Wars Battlefront Podcast. Welcome to the Star Wars Battlefront Podcast. And in this episode, we have a very special guest. Hey, this is Colby Boothman, the motion capture actor for Luke Skywalker and Star Wars Battlefront. In this episode, we are going to be talking about that. We're going to be talking about Battlefront and Star Wars. Let's get started. Do you play Battlefront? I do. I was uh, playing last night, the new Cloud City DLC. Had a lot of fun with that. So, yeah, what do you think about that? Uh, I love the new map. It's much, much larger than the maps we've seen before. And uh, then you also have the close quarters map, which I think is a lot of fun. There are a lot of tight spaces to hide. And, uh, you know, any map where I can crawl away and shoot people from um, farther away is is good for me because I'm not very good at the game. (laughs) Yeah, well, you you can be not good at the game because you are one of the characters in the game (laughs) really is that acceptable or does that just make it worse um i'm not sure about that (laughs) (laughs) yeah it it may be either it's uh, two sides of the same coin probably i have a really really bad habit of getting killed by my own character in the game i i have that problem too (laughs) so how do you play battlefront do you play it like towards the objective or just do it to play for kills I'm better at objectives, mostly because I can't hit anything. Okay. Yeah, I, you know, I'm not too bad at shooter games, but for some reason, the new Battlefront game, I, I'm just not that good at. It's pretty unique among shooters, just like the way that the play styles are. Like, you have to create a certain hand for it. What, what's your favorite blaster? I like the D11. I like the, I, I want to say PC21A and B, if that's correct. Uh, the T21? Yeah, T21. Yeah, I, I like that weapon a lot. Just be, It's a really good long-range weapon. Yeah. For me, traditionally playing games, I'm, uh, I do a lot of sniping. So, what's your favorite game mode to play? Probably Walker Assault. That, that is a super fun game mode. Yeah. Do you try and go for the AT-AT or the ATSTs? Generally, I just kind of run around and try not to die. Um... <laughs> Let's go with ATST. Yeah, I've, I find that I'm way better with the ATST than the ATAT just because of how slow the actual the uh, the projectiles are. I mean, the orbital strike takes forever to activate on the ATAT. Mm-hmm. Have you played any of Skirmish? Not, not much. Like lately, I've been playing the, the Cloud City, and there, there are. I don't know if it was Skirmish that I was playing, but I think it was just uh, another one of the objective maps on. Uh, um, I forget the name of the map, the one where you're you're inside the, the compound in Cloud City. Okay, so I think that is the Bionic Laboratories? Yeah. Uh-huh. And uh, I've, been, I've been playing that map a lot. I really like that. Uh, did you play the Outer Rim DLC? Uh, I've played it a couple times, but I, I tend not to gravitate towards it as much as the new Cloud City or the Bespin. I find that uh, about me too. I'm more of a, a long range, but like mid range objective based guy. So the close up of the outer rim isn't towards my play style that much. What hand do you use for Battlefront? Generally, I'll, I'll actually play with one of my friends and I'll use whatever his hand is just because um, my level ups are nowhere near his. He's like level a million. 
just walking around in this dark trooper outfit and I'm just a shiny white guy. <laughs> but he'll generally use a jump pack. The uh, the recent and the two recent ones, one is the shock grenade or yes. which is a lot of fun that I always manage to nail myself with because I don't throw it far enough. And the other <laughs> one is the, uh, the, I forget what it's called. It's the one that disables our guns for a short period of time. Uh, disruption? Yeah, the disruption. And what we've been doing with that is he'll run into a room, use a disruption, and I'll run in right afterwards and, and throw out another disruption. So we kind of just double, double wham them. So you're, you're doing the, the team kind of play style. Yeah. That's something I always do well with. Um, sometimes it can be a little bit difficult if I don't have people on mics. I generally like to play with mics because I play games more strategically. Particularly with the, the shooting games, I tend to be the most strategic player. Um, Battlefront. Call of Duty, there's not a whole lot of strategy to it. That's mostly a running gun. So I, I tend to stay away from the Call of Duty game unless I'm playing campaign mode. But for online, I like things that are... Uh, I like the dice games. Battlefield, Battlefront, Medal of Honor. Those are the games that they put out recently that I'm a fan of. And I'm not just saying that because I've worked on Battlefront. <laughs> uh, I really I really like DICE games. And when I found out that DICE was going to be making Star Wars Battlefront, uh, I was definitely excited to see that because I've been such a big fan of the Battlefield and Medal of Honor games. Yes, yeah, because going into that a little bit, what was that like working with DICE? DICE, all the people that I worked with at DICE were, were really brave. We didn't have a whole lot of people on set. Uh, that were from Dice, namely, namely two, one of the producers and one of the animators, and the rest were EA's people uh, okay. that dealt with the, the Capture Lab. Uh, and the Capture Lab is the motion recording facility at EA Vancouver EA Sports. It is the largest motion capture lab in the world. Commercially, the only larger motion capture facility in the world is run by the U.S. government, and I, I don't believe they make too many video games there. I don't think so. So when it comes to video games and, and other motion capture recording, the Capture Lab in Vancouver is the largest recording facility in the world. That that must have been awesome. So you were in the the motion capture suits. What was that like? Really tight. <laughs> uh, no, it's, they're, they're not uncomfortable. You get used to them pretty quickly. Sometimes you have to be careful to try not to hit the little uh, metallic dots that you have all over you because they'll go flying. And if they go flying in the middle of a take, then you have to you know, go back and re-record that. So uh, when, when you do sword fighting for a long time, you tend to be very close to body with some of your movements. And uh, you had to readjust slightly. It's not a really big deal to try and not hit these little nubs that you have sticking out all over the suit. When you do sword fighting for a long time, the motions themselves become second nature. They're very ingrained in your muscle memory. So you're, you can become comfortable cutting very close with the sword. And, you know, you have to realign just a centimeter so you don't knock them off when you're performing the motion capture. Yeah, so go into that a little bit. So it says on your bio that you were you began fencing in the Federation Internationale d'Escrime in at age 12? Yeah, uh, I started fencing competitively a long time ago. I think I started fencing when I was 10, and I really got into it when I was 11, and very quickly became competitive with it in the, uh, the FIE, uh, which is the International Fencing Federation for people who don't speak French. Uh, which I know, but uh, I still try to sound fancy and use the correct name every now and again. Yes, <laughs> I probably just uh, destroyed that. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was 
pretty spot on. I'm not going to attempt it right now because I've been haven't been awake for too many hours. Even though it's 4:23 p.m. here right now, I was up all night writing last night. <laughs> but that that's I'll leave that for another day. Fencing was something that I grew up on and, and got started from a young age and fenced highly competitively all the way up to the end of high school. Recently, I haven't been very competitive in my get back in a couple tournaments this year and uh, i'm looking forward to that i've just been busy obviously with my film work so i haven't been able to compete all that much uh, but i'd like to get back into that and fence in a few tournaments here and there so is lightsaber dueling a lot like fencing or do you have to do different styles for that to make it feel like it was in the movies they're completely different they, they couldn't be more apart i would say that dance choreography is much more closely related to the Star Wars choreography, uh, at least in the sense where of the choreography that I learned under Nick Gillard, who is the stunt coordinator and fight choreographer of the Star Wars prequels, who did an incredible job. And um, his choreography, I think, is really unsurpassed in filmmaking today. Uh, so to have learned choreography directly from him is definitely one of the, the highlights of my life. Once you got the footage, did you help or stay along to see any of the other actual happenings for EA slash DICE? Uh, we, we pretty much came in and we did the motion capture for our characters. And, um, you know, that's, that's really what they needed us for. And once we were done shooting that, uh, they took our work and it was, it was a really uh, intense week where we were just going nonstop and, and pushing ourselves to create the, the best, most accurate, interesting, and fun-to-play characters that we could. And DICE took it from there and did an amazing job with the, the animation and the visuals and combining everything to create a really fun game. What, what was it like to bring your fighting style a little bit to the character of Luke Skywalker, who's known pretty much around the world? Luke Skywalker was an interesting uh, character to tackle. Because for me, it was very important that I kept Luke Skywalker's movements and styles uh, as closely ingrained to the character as I possibly could. So I, I spent a couple weeks studying the film, studying uh, all the material relative to Luke Skywalker from what the fans like to see uh, to the actual footage from the films to what George Lucas uh, originally wanted for the characters and where the sword fighting inspirations came from there. They were, they were much more based in the original trilogy and I had to study the movements really closely to create something that was fun and exciting for the fans that they would recognize as Luke Skywalker but also something that keeps in mind the fact that it is a video game and that it, it has to be exciting for the people playing and the traditional kendo moves uh, while they're all very recognizable and we see them in the films they're slower than you would have in a video game. So uh, along with our choreographer, specifically to the Star Wars Battlefront video game, we had Kyle Rowling, who's one of the swordsmen, uh, that worked on the prequels under Nick Gillard. Um, we all collaborated with the, the people at DICE and EA to create these characters in a fun and exciting way that's very representative of the characters that we were playing. Uh, you can obviously tell the difference between the fight style in the original trilogy and then the the prequels, and even in the the Force Awakens as well. Yeah. What was that like to see the prequels battling, but also bringing in the the original trilogy with the prequels and kind of like merging that together for the character? 
a lot of that has to do with the just the fight styles that were designed individually for the films. And the original trilogy, it's, it's very traditional, uh, kendo and samurai-based. But the prequels, which have kind of become a very incredibly recognizable art form uh, of sword choreography. So the, the original films have incredible fight scenes, but they're based on traditional sword, Japanese sword fighting, uh, which we recognize as a style already. Coming into the prequels, uh, what Nick invented for the films is something very new, and it's something that uh, has not been replicated by any film series or any uh, martial style before or since. And that is the the very acrobatic nature of the choreography that takes place in the prequels. It's designed to be the Jedi at their very height, and that's what it so accurately portrays. It is a very difficult form of choreography. It's very very fast, it's twirling, there's a lot of blade movement, and the films, in some cases, the the, uh, the choreography actually had to be slowed down to <laughs> be captured in a way that wouldn't be too, too quick for viewers to follow. When you look for the prequels, and you can... You can tell that a lot has changed between the prequels and the original trilogy just by looking at the sword style, which is really cool that they could see the degradation of the fight style of the Jedi because they have been out of the, the mind side of everyone for so long. Yeah, that's that's uh, the way that it was it was supposed to be written, you know. Uh, you can you can see as the films progress how the, the characters start out very raw and their fight choreography improves, uh, as well as the skill of the actors playing them. Sword fighting is it's definitely it's something where muscle memory is very key to being able to capture these motions in an in intense way and, and a way that uh, is most interesting to people watching it. Uh, one of the reasons why the choreography looks so good in the prequels is because the sheer number of hours that Ewan McGregor and Hayden Christian Hayden uh, Christensen spent training these fight scenes. They spent literally weeks practicing eight hours a day every single day to memorize these fight scenes in full length. And they really became professionals in the time period that they, they practiced. They really pushed themselves to the limits. And I have great respect for the, the for the actors learning these this intense choreography that Nick designed. Uh, who's your favorite hero to play in Battlefront? Would it be wrong to say Luke Skywalker? <laughs> I don't think so. I, I like using Luke and I like using Boba Fett. I'm not as good with Han and Leia um, or any of the others. I, I tend to move really quickly around the map. And so whenever I can get in and out as quickly as possible, it's good news for me. Yeah. What do you think of the addition of the DLC heroes and villains? Um, they're fun. I don't use the DLC uh, heroes as much just because when I uh, pick a character that I like, I tend to stick with them uh, as long as time exists. <laughs> <laughs> so I'll probably just keep sticking with Boba Fett and Luke for the, for the most part. We'll see with the new DLC coming. Uh, I'm definitely excited to see the addition of Chewbacca to the series. I am too. I hope that he, he seems like he's going to be a beast and we've gotten some like new news for him, which is he's going to be able to, he's going to have a different style bowcaster and it's going to be like the star card, but slower and hopefully just one shot like in The Force Awakens. Okay. Yeah, I, uh, I'm excited to see that. I'm friends with Peter Mayhew, the uh, actor who plays Chewbacca, and it's always fun to see the, the Chewbacca stuff now because I'll, I'll, we'll always just go 
back and forth anytime I see something that's Chewbacca. They they are such big fans. Peter and his wife Angie, and really their whole family. They're huge Star Wars fans, and they get excited by every new toy in uh, addition to the film, particularly Chewbacca related for obvious reasons. Uh, and it's it's really it's a lot of fun to see their excitement, and you can really appreciate that the the cast is as big a fan. They're as big a fans of the franchise as the rest of us. I think that is really integral to the, the Star Wars community and the film series that, you know, it, it was started and everybody who partaked in the, the originals and every film leading up to, to now becomes a fan if they were not already uh, a huge fan of the series. Yeah. And, and, and now it's a film series that is created purely by the fans of it. And that's, that's exciting, and it's not something that you, you really have in many franchises. Yeah, you can definitely see that in The Force Awakens, like special features. Every single person that's on there is... It's going through like the people that grew up making Star Wars, their kids are now working on Star Wars, and the people that were involved in the originals are still excited about the new ones as much as they were about the originals. The Force Awakens was really, it's just an incredible thing to see. Uh, as a Star Wars fan myself, when, when you look behind the scenes and you see the people that are involved in it, you have the original people coming and working on the new series. You have their, like you said, their children working on the new series. And I, I think the greatest aspect of all is seeing the fans that are now working on the series. You know, the the team behind R2-D2 uh, in The Force Awakens, the, the robotics team, they they were just a, a fan group that made uh, their own R2-D2s beforehand that were brought in to make the, the robotics for The Force Awakens. And I think that is, is something really incredible and it's something that no other film franchise or any series has ever had before and i think that's something really incredible that that we're able to see well i've watched a lot of the youtube channel tested mm-hmm. adams oh yeah with uh, adams yeah with, uh, Adam their whole youtube channel is so awesome they go to these different like what you're saying the r2d2 makers club and they show this guy that's making a working bb8 droid and that is just crazy that's really incredible because bb8 on its own is actually just a, a feat of technology that was something that had never been done before, and they had to. They had an idea for a character, and once they realized the practicality of this character, they could see how difficult it would actually be to to make this character. And they wanted to do it. They were determined to do it practically. You know, no CGI, and and that's what they did. And BB-8 is just an amazing robot. Really, towards the end of filming, they actually created a fully operational moving BB-8, and I had the fortune of meeting that character at Star Wars Celebration last year. Going into Star Wars, what's your favorite movie? But I don't have a favorite movie. It's something everybody uh, will always kind of go to and say that you know their original was their favorite. But but for me, I really can't pick one out. There's there's parts of every single film that is unique from the last. And it's maybe maybe not favorite films altogether, but favorite moments. Okay. You know, very few people will say that their their favorite would be episode one. But uh, as a swordsman, I I'm not going to say that that's my favorite one. I think if I had to absolutely say one of my what was my favorite film, 
it would it might be episode three. Yeah. Either either that or uh, Empire was was definitely an amazing film. Yeah, I I can definitely understand why you would choose episode three. We just uh we're gonna have a guest on for next episode, and his is episode three, just because of the. He likes the fight scenes because they're really well executed, but also he's part of the, he's a computer engineer, so he knows what it took to get those CG just right, and they definitely get that right. There's a, a, um, there's a really good documentary on, uh, I'm not sure if it's still on, on Netflix. It, it's about filmmaking, and specifically uh, film versus digital, and it's narrated by Keanu Reeves, and it, it talks a lot about how Star Wars or Episode One uh, really changed film as we know it. Going into uh, the prequels, Lucas wanted to do an all-digital series, and the technology did not even exist. It had to be created really for the the prequels. And what they managed to do, I have a lot of respect for it technologically because they, you know, they had a vision of of shooting digital in this clean, crisp aesthetic that. You can only get on digital. There are too many variables, and to be able to have these incredibly sharp images with film, you can try and clean the film, uh, process the film as much as you want, but the aesthetic that you get on digital it is something that I, I think really suited the, the Star Wars prequels. And while it was very early days for digital filmmaking, I think that Lucas did a, an amazing job creating a new aesthetic that we had not seen in filmmaking in this clean, crisp world that, that we know of in the prequels. And I think shooting on digital was the right way to to show this ultra sharpness that we had not yet seen on film digital works very well for the kind of aesthetic that they were going for because you definitely have a lot more control over how the actual thing you're shooting looks in post because you can temper with the actual the warmth and all that kind of stuff but then with the force awakens they were using film which definitely suited that because it was after the the original trilogy which has that grit that it would need for film mm-hmm. yeah and i think that was great how they made the the decision to shoot on film for The Force Awakens. They really went back to the, the original trilogy. Abrams did, and, and everybody involved, Captain Kennedy, did an amazing job ensuring that it had the feel that we know as the original Star Wars. And shooting on film was an amazing way to do that. And it also offered the in-theater experience that you otherwise wouldn't have had on digital because when you walk into the IMAX and you really see um, what that film is supposed to run on. Yeah, digital technology has really come a long ways, but beyond 6K at the at that time wasn't really there. And the the only the only way to really capture the IMAX style is by shooting on film. And previously they used to just kind of convert your you know your cinematography film uh, into IMAX format when it came to movies, but now it's it's reversed to where they're using the IMAX camera and the IMAX film to shoot movies on, which is creating these truly incredible visuals that we're only just now seeing because budgets have expanded to be able to allow the use of such expensive film and such expensive footage. What do you think of Kylo Ren's lightsaber as a swordsman? Uh, uh, personally, I wouldn't. I would find a lot of limitations with it. Um, just from a, a swordsman perspective, it, it wasn't necessarily created with a, a swordsman's 
motions in mind. Stylistically, it's representative of a broadsword, and and I understand where they where it's where it comes from, but when it comes to the choreography, it's it's very much a hindrance. So um, for me personally, it it wouldn't be something that I would want to use uh, if it were me wielding the, the sword. Uh, but I personally have a very streamlined acrobatic style of, of sword fighting that involves a lot of behind-the-back maneuvers, twirling, switching hands around the head, and that style of sword just, just wouldn't... Um, my abilities wouldn't reflect to trying to find a, a way to word this. My style and the style that the um, Kylo Ren's broadsword just just would not mesh very well together. It's not, you know, as an actor, if it were me, and that's what they ultimately wanted, obviously you have to work within uh, whatever you're told to, whatever the character is requested and, and the way the character is written. But for me, um, I like using swords that have very few inhibitions. I don't even like having a handguard in any way on my practice swords. So when I practice twirling with my kendo shinai or the kendo sticks that I usually use to practice with, I, I won't use the handguard because it allows me to get that much closer to the body with these sweeping motions. So Kylo Ren's lightsaber wouldn't be something that I would be particularly fond of if, if I'm going to be diplomatic about it. Uh, it, it would just be very unwieldy as a swordsman to use with the styles that I traditionally view as the, the Star Wars choreography. So going on to the Death Star DLC, what do you think of Luke and Han having Stormtrooper outfits? Uh, we'll, we'll see with that. Um, I haven't I've been quite busy and I haven't had the, the chance to look at too much of the the uh, released footage for that. I saw uh, a lot of the uh, trench run trailers that, that they released, and I'm really excited to see the space battles. Uh, and I, I saw a couple stills of the heroes, but I haven't, haven't really watched any of the, uh, the clips or anything about that yet. I'm really excited to play it and excited to see it. Super happy to see Chewbacca introduced to Battlefront. That'll be really fun. Uh, I think it's going to be it's going to be a little difficult to implement that correctly because you will, you'll run into the same thing. Maybe you're a stormtrooper who runs around with their helmet off, the scum of Battlefront. <laughs> <laughs> oh well, I didn't realize that. Yeah, there, there are a lot of them that a lot of people will choose to run around. And then you see a Han Solo particularly because he's got a blaster and you can't really tell the difference. And he comes up running and you think he's on your team and he just takes out that whole area, claims the objective, then runs off. Well, maybe I'm going to start using Han. We'll see. <laughs> Who knows? Maybe it'll just be that surprise that catches everybody off guard. Uh, just like in the movies. I mean, they're disguised as stormtroopers, and in the game, they'll be disguised as stormtroopers just as similarly. What do you think of Boss coming to Battlefront? Uh, well, we'll see. <laughs> I think it's always cool when when they add these uh, the assassins. They're always cool, cool characters. And I, I'm not too sure about the abilities of Bosk. I just know him from, uh, you know, the lineup of assassins and, and everything that, that we will occasionally see him. Yeah. Uh, we'll see what his, his special weaponry is. Yeah, but uh, one of his abilities is uh, it's gonna he's going to focus on his ability to regenerate because Trojans can grow back their limbs. 
So he'll be able to regen his health uh, when he gets more kills. Or maybe when Luke Skywalker lobs his arm off. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, A super cool thing I like that they're adding is uh, the addition of infrared blasters. Like they've added that with uh, Lando Calrissian. You zoom in and it's got a night vision mode, which is really cool. That's I haven't had the opportunity to to play as uh, Lando yet. Uh, mostly because I spent too much time dying and not actually in the field trying to pick up the little hero power-ups. Uh, but I'm sure I'll get around to it. I'd love to see what that actually looks like firsthand. Anytime they add a unique component like that, it changes the way, uh, it change, can change the gameplay entirely. Like the recent update when they added the uh, uh, disruptor and the, uh, the shock grenades have really changed the gameplay, and I have fun with them. Uh, they're definitely, they help out those of us who may not be as quick with the, the blaster. You know, maybe I'll, with time, I'll get better with the, the blasters. I still have yet to be able to master that one. So, uh, for me, it's, I, I have a difficult time with Battlefront. I love it, and uh, it's a lot of fun to me, but I'm just not as good with it as some of the, the traditional first-player shooters. Games like that, like Call of Duty or Battlefront, they there's a lot of the, the run-and-gun aspect of it, uh, which is a lot of fun to play. I just happen to not be very good at it. For me personally, the games that I'm really good at uh, is Medal of Honor. And the the more realistic type of gameplay is uh, the ones that I'm, I'm better suited towards. And I don't mean Call of Duty when I say realistic. That's, for me, Call of Duty and even Battlefield are are what I would say are unrealistic styles of gameplay to me personally. Uh, Medal of Honor has a really great system where, you know, it doesn't, you don't have to shoot somebody a million times for them to die. Yes. All all it takes, particularly if I'm playing hardcore mode on Medal of Honor, all I have to do is tap somebody a few times with a a pistol and they're done for. Uh, Whereas other games, you basically have to unload a clip in order to kill somebody if you're using a pistol. Medal of Honor is a very realistic maybe health system that I like to use as well as the uh, the weapons themselves are just they react differently I like using sniper rifles and I like sniper rifles that, that work the way a sniper is supposed to to where you have the, adv- the advantage at a distance if you know how to properly lose, use it if you time up your shots if you calculate for drop uh, those are a type of realistic physics engine that I personally enjoy I, I think you would like the, the DLT-19X blaster DLT-19X it is a single shot blaster for Battlefront and you have to dial it in to effectively use it because it has a really big recoil you have to aim it like at the chest and it'll recoil up t- to get headshot huh all right that's definitely something that that i would have fun with i'm probably not even a high enough level to have that gun (laughs) (laughs) bit more we didn't even touch a lot of the behind the scenes stuff oh yeah let's let's go into that a little bit more yeah definitely uh the actual filming of the motion capture for Battlefront, we were at EA Games in Vancouver at Capture Lab, and uh, we, we got to do a lot of really amazing things. You know, I'd, my sword fighting and my acting never really come together very often, and this is one of the few experiences that I've had where I've been able to do that, and the first experience that I've had for, for motion capture. And the facility at EA is, is really astounding. They've got a beautiful campus in Vancouver uh, overlooking Vancouver and the mountains. It's really a beautiful place. They have uh, a soccer field outside. They have 
uh, a basketball court outdoors and indoors. Uh, I guess you know, kind of around lunchtime. They're they're very encouraging of being athletic at this campus, and of course, it's the sports facility, so they're going to be more so than normal. But you'll have groups of uh, the the EA developers will get together and they'll play uh, floor hockey uh, at the the indoor basketball court, uh, which is really cool. Just the kinds of activities that go on really help further their games and really bring their development team together to to work in things in, in ways that they may not otherwise have worked with, would with uh, just first-hand experience and, and just constant involvement in the sports that they're working on, which I think is really cool. Uh, and for us, you know, we, we got to do the, the motion capture. One of the, the coolest things that we were able to do in doing the motion capture is we were, while performing the actions and the motions and the sword work, there are cameras everywhere. These motion capture facilities are essentially a giant ring of cameras everywhere you look. You're just surrounded by, uh, I, I want to say, over 100 cameras. And, and what these cameras do is they capture the, the lighting that gets reflected off these metallic dots that surround our outfits. Uh, so around the cameras, you have this red LED ring, and that red light bounces off the reflective dots and back into the camera to where you can perfectly see where all these dots are. And the massive um, computer systems that they have take all this data from all the, the computers and processes it into very accurate uh, representations of our movements. And we can see that happening in real time on the monitors around us. So we can go and we can record a motion and we can go back and either see what the, the motion capture programs are capturing. Uh, we can also see from multiple angles the um, camera footage uh, of our, our performance. So we can see the work that we just had from multiple different angles, as well as kind of perfect uh, uh, the motions to, to accurately portray exactly what we want for these characters. We can see that the speeds were... So when we do a take, we can go back and we can see the speed that we were running at during that take or how quickly we're moving. Uh, we can see how quickly we're moving in real time. That's awesome. We have the, the engineers uh, behind, behind all the monitors telling us what speeds we need to be running at to capture this, the amount of seconds that uh, a motion should about take for us to perform. Uh, and we're just, we're just getting feedback all around, just trying to perfect these motions and to, to represent these characters as best we can and have that motion translate as best on camera so that when you're playing the game, you get a real feel for these characters. It's not done by, by hand animation. And while there's a true art to hand animation, motion capture allows a representation of physics that is almost impossible to be able to do without motion capture. You know, you're capturing the breathing perfectly. You're capturing head movements, flinching the, the way when you come to a quick stop, the way your body moves and your momentum carries you forward. All these little details you're able to capture and you're able to capture them very quickly, whereas before when we didn't have motion capture or we weren't necessarily able to capture as much information as animation uh, files are now able to implement into a video game, we 
we're, we're able to add this realism to our, our video game that we previously weren't able to, and we're able to do it much more quickly because we used to take, you know, months to be able to hand animate yeah. these characters and the way they turn and the way they carry a sword or, or, or do literally anything. It used to take a very long time to be able to animate this by hand. And now with motion capture, we're able to do it instantaneously. Yeah. We can add any trait to a character that we want. We just have to perform it. And it it's really adds a level to uh, particularly sports games that we just weren't able to 10 years ago. Uh, what was the feeling like in that studio to bringing back uh, like a dead franchise like Battlefront? It was a lot of fun. Uh, going into it, we, we didn't, we weren't, we knew we were doing Star Wars, we knew what characters we were doing. But they were not allowed to tell us what game we were doing oh. until we were physically on EA's property. Uh, granted, me knowing what was in development, having been a fan of Star Wars Battlefront, you could figure out what project it was that you were going to be doing anyway. So I knew ahead of time I was going to be playing Luke Skywalker uh, because you know you're definitely not going to go in there cold. Uh, and you know you had to sign a lot of contracts and non-disclosure agreements and you know whatever book. Lucasfilm and EA wants you to sign <laughs> uh, well in advance for before going into it. Uh, but when we actually got there, they showed us kind of their in-house uh, their in-house trailer that they had essentially made for Battlefront, and what they made was incredible. Seeing the actual footage that they were able to render coming off of their computers as they were creating the game is is incredible. Just coming off the console, it's one of the best-looking games that has ever been made. Yes. What they're able to render using computers is even better than the, the console is able to see. Yeah. And so that was my first exposure to Battlefront was day one on EA's campus. They were showing us their, their footage uh, of what the game was going to look like. Kind of, if, if you recall the first gameplay trailer not the first gameplay trailer but like the first trailer for battlefront that released yes uh, that's equivocally what we saw a lot of that was actually um the uh the in-engine trailer yeah that kind of in-house trailer which was designed kind of for the producers and executives uh to kind of show their work and what they were working on that's what we got to see and uh wow it's incredible how far the technology has come, come along in, in the visuals that DICE put into this. DICE put in a lot of work building this game. You know, sometimes people can be very dismissive uh, by just calling it like a, a rehash of Battlefield, and it, it's not anything like that. Uh, um, some of the comments that people might have for it are just kind of very flippant, and they, they created a new level of technological advancement for this game, and a new level of, uh, of um, detail that had not been done in a video game yeah, before. Actually, it went to the locations and they recorded the scenery where the the film was originally shot. They went to the, the Skywalker Ranch into the, the vault, the archive. Took pictures of everything, then they scanned that into their computers, ran a program. Yeah. It's it's crazy. And uh, one of the things I really like, but uh, Dennis Bronville, the lead multiplayer designer for Battlefront, said... He was like, if you ever say uh, they're just lazy developers, he's like, I will never talk to you ever again. Like, if you want me to do something, I'll make sure 
that it never comes into the game if you call us lazy developers. Yeah, they they work really really hard on these games, and I know the um, the people at Dice who like most closely work with. I didn't really work with the people at uh, at EA very much, besides the, the people, the producers of the Capture Lab which is specifically their motion capture facility. Those are the people that we directly work with at EA. But outside of that, it was just people at DICE. And these are people that are very passionate about their work and they're big fans of the game. And they they work their hardest to create to create Battlefront. I really respect what they put into it. Yeah, Nicol- Nicholas Fergreus, the, uh, I think he might have been the producer, I don't know exactly, but when... Uh, one of his interviews that he had with, I think it was Star Wars HQ, was uh, he was ta- talking about when they first announced, like when Dice, uh, when EA actually told Dice what they were working on. Uh, it was a dark room. They turned all the lights off, and then the Star Wars theme came on, and the whole the whole room just went crazy. And they're like, "We're working on a Star Wars game." And they just blew their minds. Yeah, uh, and it, it was actually. Um, Nicholas's brother, who also works at Dice, uh, Henrique, who was who I actually directly worked with while we were in Vancouver. He was um, kind of our um, director, producer, for lack of a, a technical term for it, and uh, he was the one that we worked. It was uh, Nicholas's brother, Henrique, that we worked closely with um, to develop these characters. Uh, oh, one of the coolest, coolest things about working on this was. Uh, they have a big projector uh, in, in the motion capture facility. And uh, actually, when we were forming the motion capture, our represent- our character representation was Stormtroopers. Because <laughs> um, that's just the visual that they had, that they were able to draw up for the, uh, as a pre-rendering. And uh, at one point, we were, we were doing, I don't know if you remember, the, uh, the first uh, gameplay trailer that they put out. It ended in the bunker on Endor. Yes. And so... At the very end of it, you have Darth Vader comes out and kind of kills you. And so we actually, at the very end of it, that's all uh, um, was was captured in console for, um, you know, that was all captured as gameplay, uh, with the exception to the very end of that trailer. Yes. Which we did as motion capture. And the way we did that was they took the the bunker and uh, they already had the bunker... uh, visualized and they were able to drop that onto the projector in the motion capture facility and the way that the studios mapped out i could run around physically uh on the floor of the motion capture room and on the projector i could see the little stormtrooper running around inside of the bunker oh that's awesome so it was happening in real time i could see my uh little stormtrooper guy running around in the bunker and we had a lot of, you know, maybe five minutes where we goof off and have fun with that while they were loading other things <laughs> on the computers. And uh, so, you know, they would just, like, drop the door halfway. They could control one of the opening doors. And, uh, you know, the door was, like, open halfway. So I'd go full sprint towards the door and bang my head on it and drop on the ground. And, of course, there's, I'm just doing this in an empty room. There's no actual walls. <laughs> But on screen, I can see my character hit its head on the door and just fall over. That is hilarious. It's like that one scene in the New Hope, or uh, yeah, where, a, where he hits. That's exactly what I was doing. <laughs> where he hits his head. <laughs> the more dramatic version of that, you know, stormtroopers are known to bonk their heads every now and again. 
That's it for this episode. Thanks for listening. This episode of the Star Wars Battlefront Podcast is brought to you by our patrons on Patreon. If you want to support the show, go to patreon.com slash battlefrontpodcast. If you want to be on a guest on the show, you can contact us, battlefrontpodcast at gmail.com. You can leave feedback there as well. Uh, talk Battlefront and Star Wars. If you want to be on the show, have the subject line podcast guest, have a topic and a Skype account ready because we do this podcast guest episodes through Skype. If you want to follow us on Twitter, it is tie-dye-sheep-yt. You can talk Star Wars there. I've been tweeting a lot about the Rogue One lately. That trailer is awesome. You can also follow Sage on Instagram at tie-dye-sheep-films. Yeah, I've been posting a lot of like different stuff that we've been doing for the podcast there. Um, I actually won a giveaway from Audio-Technica. Did a, I just did a post on that. And then you can follow Sam. It's at chef underscore wanna underscore B. What do you do there, Sam? Post different various food pictures. That's about it. May the force be with you. Always.